Welcome to the My House Podcast, a show about the past, present, and future goings-on at the My House Youth Drop-In Center in Wasilla, Alaska, with your host, Michelle Overstreet. Hi, welcome to episode 35 of the My House Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Overstreet, and today I'm joined by Michelle Parker, who is one of our staff and a former client and just an extraordinary person. Before we get into visiting with Michelle, Isaac, do you have any housekeeping? Sure, just a couple of things. We'll plug the merch site again, myhousemerchak.com for all your My House merch needs. You ever wanted a My House hoodie, but only the cool staff people get to wear them? Now you could also have a cool My House hoodie. Or you could get some podcast merch. I like the podcast merch a lot. All it's sorts cool. of stuff. It's cool. Redemption <laughs> apparel, my house merch, aka.com. Also, we do have, it's not our event, but there is an event going on September 1st. The Matsu Upue Task Force is going into Anchorage to support the Anchorage Recovery Community, and they are doing their 2023 Connection Memorial event in recognition of National Recovery Month, which starts September, and also International Overdose Awareness Day, I believe, is August 31st. They're doing an event Friday, September 1st from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Park Strip by Lusak Library, I believe it is. They're going to be building naloxone kits and they'll have the memorial displays set up again Friday, September 1st. So that uh, if you're going into Anchorage anyway, or if you want to make a trip into Anchorage, get a carpool going, you can go support them then. That's uh, yeah. what, two Fridays from now? Yeah, downtown on the Park Strip. I think that's off of uh, between 9th and 15th there, right down the street from Earthquake Park. Oh. Down the street from Earthquake yeah, Park. Right in the, yeah, it's right in central downtown, kind of central downtown. And they put the display of all those crosses up with the, the I mean, it's thousands of white crosses for the um, overdose tally, which, you know, the, the amount of people overdosing a day is the equivalent of a 747 crashing mm-hmm. every single day. If we had that, that many people dying in any other way, around the world there would be huge community outcry and the overdose situation just kind of seems to be this sort of accepted i think that's part of the stigma myself but it's a great event dar walden and um karen malcolm smith karen malcolm smith uh are are sponsoring that and and it's really a heartfelt uh bring your tissues because it's it's impactful but it's important so thanks isaac for that heads up on that Michelle, thanks for joining me today. We had such a fun visit with a group from the Rasmussen Foundation, Roy Alanga from the Rasmussen Foundation. I don't think I'm saying his last name right, but brought a group from the Aspen Institute out and we visited Michelle's garden here at my house. And Michelle, tell us a little bit about your, you have this love of plants and growing things and tell us how you got there. Well, I, uh, used to not have a green thumb. I used to have a black thumb. (laughs) And I wasn't the greatest with plants, although I tried to be. And and then I I went to prison, and three months after getting there, I got hired in the greenhouse. And that was totally like a God thing, because I met a girl in there that's been there for years, and she she worked in the greenhouse, and she put in a good word for me to uh, the lady who runs the greenhouse. And because she had a list of people who applied for it, and she didn't know anyone, and she mentioned me, and I was like, that's me. And Oh, nice. So 
I started working there the spring of 2021 and had to learn watering, like the watering basics. I couldn't overwater and I couldn't underwater. And we had like thousands of pods, plants that were shipped in. And so it was crucial for us to take care of all these things. And then we slowly started building the baskets that they had there and planting seeds like every other day and it was it was a long process of like messing up and learning the different things that that different plants need and flowers and trimming and deadheading and all the all of the different things and it started to feel more natural and I had you know being in jail it was a really hard time being there and being away from family and being away from people who love and support me and being in that greenhouse was like a sanctuary where I could not really see officers as much and not really see inmates as much and just being around plants and I talked to Linda a lot while I wasn't there and Linda Chet, our empowerment coach, yeah. is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. she talked to me a little bit, and she said, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing that you're working in there, and it's a very healing thing. Like, putting your hands in soil is, like, something about it is very healing, and I, I really do believe that it was. And she was like, you know, those those seeds that you're planting, it's – it's not only you planting those seeds, it's you're, you're bringing life to it and you're getting to watch it grow. And it's almost like your life too. You're getting to watch yourself grow in that process. So it's definitely, it was a long process of um, failing and coming back and learning um, all the different techniques. And so we had about over 700 hanging baskets, over 300 floor pots. I want to say about 200 of vegetables that we planted. Yeah, it was it was a lot. And uh, we did the plant sale because of COVID. We couldn't do sell to the public. But the next year, I was able to sell to the public. And it was pretty cool because I got to see Kira and <laughs> Linda while I was out there helping. And yeah, we always, uh, we always send staff and buy our our hanging baskets for the outside of the building there this year i actually got to go with kira on the other side of the fence oh my gosh what a blessing yeah so it was definitely a different perspective of and really making me think of where i was and where i'm at now and how much growth i've had since then so it's i think it's awesome it's it was a lot, but it's beautiful. <laughs> nice. When you came back here, I have a, a pretty vivid memory because we didn't really have, we had the memorial garden that was built by a an Eagle Scout, uh, Ben and his grandfather Dan, and the the idea that we we would have some kind of gardening or some kind of garden or, you know, we had the 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 memorial garden is is a little bit self contained, but I I. I was so inspired by when when you came back 
you took all the plants that were in the building and replanted them and and the, you know they were healthy and you were making starts from pl- plants that we had and all of a sudden there everyone's desk had a plant on it and uh, <laughs> we were kind of collecting little pots and and planting and we had cleared the area for the garden space with with you in mind actually before you were out uh, of Highland, and and part of the idea wasn't necessarily to. I don't know what we were thinking. It was, it it was a garden space for the neighbors. We were taking down the fence. We were creating more parking space. But there was area there, and I was so excited when you said, "Yeah, I think I would like to do something with gardening." And it was really, it's really fun now to bring guests or people who are touring the building out there to see, you know, yesterday and the day before, there was a giant head of cauliflower and broccoli and the kale looks beautiful. In fact, I walked out there to see if I could find you yesterday and there was a lady parked there just looking at the garden and she had donated some kale plants Mm -hmm. and said, I just wanted to see how they were doing and they look beautiful. It's everything is lush and uh, Ken, Kent Larson, our philanthropic farmer uh, from Larson's Nursery, was, was here and said, boy, everything really looks good. And so I'm so tickled. NIT brought their construction trades program over with Bortide Construction and built a greenhouse that's beautiful. And there's little tomatoes in there. And so I'm so excited about the opportunity to do that. For me, there's, this is twofold. One is that we were able to create sort of another enterprise with your energy and leadership and, and passion for what you were doing and, and kind of create this garden space that wasn't there before um, that's actually producing food for Supper Club. Uh, it's been fun to hear the comments from the kids at Supper Club eating the sugar snap peas and the radishes. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many of them had actually eaten a fresh radish from a garden hmm. before I don't know if you were sitting there when they were eating those, but they were commenting about how hot and spicy they were. <laughs> and I was kind of laughing like, oh, that's so funny. You know, I don't think about radishes being spicy, but then I ate one and they were kind of hot. So it was really cute to see the, the response from the kids. They, were, they liked the vegetables. They were eating them. They were commenting on what they tasted like and how different they were from what they'd had from a store. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that was cool. The the, getting the idea in their mind that they can grow their own food, um, that they could be part of growing their own food, and that we're eating food that we grow here is powerful. It's it's important. Yeah, I think it is really cool, especially like when I when I was in jail and like I was actually watching the things I planted grow and flourish into something that's edible or flourish into something that is sellable or, you know, something pretty to look at. And I think that the program that, or, you know, the program of the greenhouse is such a beautiful thing, especially with the clients of having to plant a seed and actually see it flourish into something beautiful because, you know, things take time, but like the time that it does take it, it turns it into broccoli and it turns <laughs> it into flowers and it's, it's, it makes you feel like accomplished. And for me, actually, you know, it makes me feel good that like 
I did that. <laughs> yes. I, I've always thought that having to keep a plant and, and help a plant grow would be a great parenting project. That if you had parenting classes where you also had a plant, there's some benefit to that. And I, But I hear what you're saying about watching that grow and seeing the flowers bloom. Or when I drove away yesterday from the building, there were giant yellow zucchini blossoms mm-hmm. just draped out of the the container raised bed there and I just thought oh they're so beautiful those big yellow flowers and I think you're right I think that's really gratifying and and when that big yellow flower makes a food then it's even one step more I also got a kick out of cola coming in eating a carrot (laughs) and I I said did you pick that out of Michelle's garden and he goes yes Oh my gosh. I was like, oh my gosh. So I had this vision of like all the kids from the skate park coming over to pick carrots out of the garden, which would not necessarily be a bad thing. But but I did appreciate the fact that he said it's really good. It really tastes good. It's so different from a carrot from the store. Yeah. I I asked him, I was like, Did you pick a carrot from my garden? And he's like, Yes. I was like, Could you not mess with my garden, please? <laughs> They're not ready yet. He's like, Yes. I realized that after I picked it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he loved it so much. He yeah. was just loving it. So I, I'm excited about getting a little curriculum together so that you can do some teaching. Congratulations on your Master Gardener certificate. Okay. Um, Michelle enrolled in the, it's the University of Alaska Fairbanks Extension, Cooperative Extension Service class for Master Gardeners earlier this spring and has spent, it's been six or eight months of yeah, maybe about started in February, yeah, April, and then it ended in like May. Yeah, so yeah. and and did the internship hours and has just really grown. I think as a gardener, I've, I'm I'm excited about uh, you know one the fact that you have that credential because it's not that many people that really have that master gardener credential. Everybody wants to say they know everything about gardening, but there are specific things that you learn that I don't know that mm-hmm. are part of that that learning and curriculum. And I think it also connects you to a community of gardeners who are who love, you know, who talk about it the way that you just did, who love it and who are knowledgeable and and who have fun. And I think those three things for our clients who are interested in learning some of those things are really critical that, you know, that they have applicable knowledge things that they can use and put to put to use like you talked about it's gratifying to know not to overwater not to underwater to be able to to grow food and and have the the flower and the fruit from the things that they that you're growing and that they're growing and to be able to ha- share that knowledge to to do that together i think is really powerful the opportunity for us to have food that you've grown on our supper club table is pretty stupendous. I I feel very, very proud of that. One, because it's a sustainability thing that lets us, we're not just getting food all the time from other people or from Eddie over at the food bank. We're growing our own. Mm -hmm. And and that is powerful. And I think the second part to that is uh, in being part of a community, we're not just feeding our own. That Eventually, we could have the opportunity to feed other people through that. Right. And and that's that's pretty powerful. 
I remember last year, well, funny sidebar about our community garden up at the city last year that we had potatoes planted there. And somebody dug some of the potatoes before we got there and, like, stole the potatoes. Yeah, I, pl- <laughs> I planted some up there again this year, and I think someone might have um, stuck their hands in there again. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped by there the other day, and there's, like, these... Um, divots in there. <laughs> oh gosh! I know. Well, maybe they're hungry, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, but I love the idea. Kinnick Tribe did a big potato growing project, I think last year and the year before, and shared potatoes with so many people. I really love the idea as a community of of sharing and caring for one another, and being sustainable, growing our own food, and and including other groups and people and individuals. And uh, in fact, the lady that stopped by to look at the kale is. Uh, from um, Wazi, does she live yeah. at the senior center? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I was so intrigued by that, and maybe one of the things we can do is kind of grow uh, things together, you know, with the senior center or trade plants and seeds. And I really enjoy that for for our clients and for the for you to have kind of a leadership role in that with your knowledge, your certificate, and the the, the information that you have that maybe they don't have. And, and continue to build that. I think we've got some tremendous potential to, to do, do more of that. Yeah, it's definitely interesting of like the connections that I have um, built with the, from the class and like from then on and just all the different people that I'm meeting and, and then, you know, including your mom too, like we, she taught me a lot, but I, I've taught her a little few things here and there too. Yeah. And it's like a give and take type of thing. And just meeting all those people, like I I could really see that there's something grounded within them. And I think it, gardening has something to do with it. You I know, do it's too. very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, my mom has been a master gardener for many years and really is, I think she's just a passionate, maybe a little bit crazy, sorry mom, <laughs> uh, but but part of what she loves about it is making pesto and making jelly and the fruits of her labors. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that as a, I mean, she's lived in Alaska since she was in middle school and, and she's 80 so she's got lots and lots of life experience and can make jam out of literally anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to make jelly with her the last day that I was there. And nice. it was It was really cool. It's fun, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a really fun thing. And so I think if we can kind of share that love, there's a lot of love in that, really. Mm-hmm. And if we can share that. And then you have an idea. We're just in the process of putting together a grant application for your winter project, which I'm really excited about. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So Julia, she has been doing the redemption booth at the farmer's market and past couple of weeks that she's been doing that, she was placed next to a lady who does microgreens. And she talked to me, she was like, it would be such a cool idea if we did microgreens. And I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's I was like, that would be an awesome winter project because, you know, like it doesn't need to be outside. Like we could do it indoors and I think it would be really cool to start that and just getting lights and the seeds and the right fertilizer for it. And because it only takes like 10 days or so, five to 12 days to grow the sprouts. And so like we could have like a whole week a week's worth of sprouts and um, 
Like we do use it for our baked potatoes that we have here in the cafe and the, is it some of the wraps? Some of the wraps, yeah. And there's a lot of nutrients in the um, sprouts too. And the lady who did it at the, the farmer's market, she had all kinds of different things. Like she had sunflower sprouts and she had cabbage sprouts and broccoli sprouts and radish sprouts, mustard seed sprouts and all kinds of stuff. And so I thought it was really cool. So you can tailor them not only for the flavor that you want in whatever you're putting together, like a wrap or topping for a baked potato, but also for nutrients, which, you know, this that's one of my... That's a little hot button for me right there because <laughs> I really believe that a lot of times when youth come into this drop-in center, the, f- the first thing they are is hungry and dehydrated. And if they don't have good nutrition, they don't have, their body doesn't produce the neurochemicals, the serotonin, the norepinephrine, the feel-good chemicals for their brain. Mm-hmm. And it contributes to depression, anxiety, all these m- medical diagnoses that are really anchored in nutrition, food sensitivities, not getting good food. There, there used to be a guy that would sit outside of McDonald's and people would buy him McDonald's food all day long. And I just kept thinking about that movie, right? Like uh, the movie about the guy that ate the McDonald's Supersize food. Supersize me. Yeah, supersize <laughs> me. And, and, and like what happened to him, his hair was falling out and he gained like, you know, 14 pounds or whatever. And and I always think about that, that, that when we think about feeding homeless a lot of times we think about driving through somewhere and handing a bag out the window. And what they need are superfoods. Mm-hmm. They need sweet potatoes. They need lean protein. They need sprouts that have these um, the, the enzymes and the vitamins in them that feed their brain and their gut to, to make their body and their brain healthy so that they can make good choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a master's level therapist, I've really seen the difference in six weeks later somebody who we had a young man who came from the Sullivan arena and when he first got here he said I'm tired I'm not able to sleep there and I'm hungry I never get enough to eat and when I do it's like noodles and stuff that fills me up but I'm never really satisfied he was here for about six weeks before the light bulb came on in his brain and he was thinking and communicating and you could just see he needed rest and he needed good food Mm-hmm. And that's not a criticism of the Sullivan Arena specifically. I think that, that congregate shelter is abusive. It's not, we should not treat people like that. They don't belong warehoused in a building where they're treated like cattle or like it's a kennel, but they don't even get their own little kennel space. Yeah. I mean, we, we treat dogs better at a dog daycare than we do people at a homeless shelter in a congregate shelter. Yeah. It's cruel. And so I, I don't believe that those are functional, nor do I believe they're humane. And the food that's generally served there is not food that feeds their brain and, and supports good nutrition. So uh, I feel really proud of what you're doing and, and the idea that we can grow our own microgreens that we can use in the cafe and also for supper club and get those the, the vitamins and the enzymes into our clients and help their brains and their bodies be healthier and and support our community in that way. You know, really what we're doing working with youth here is preventing long-term homelessness. And in order to prevent long-term homelessness, we have to get kids, young people, youth and young adults, onto pathways that are healthy, that make them feel strong and capable, and that even when they have challenges, give them opportunities to be part of our community. And 
It was interesting yesterday at coffee with the mayor, we were talking about a particular person who's well known in our community, a long term homeless person. And the comment was made by someone, how does everybody know who that person is? And my response was, he's part of our community. We speak about the homeless as though they're over there, they belong over there somewhere else, that they don't really fit in our community. But the fact that everybody at that table, there were probably 15 people there, knew that person, knew what some of their characteristics and challenges were, that person is part of our community and we either support them and and help them along at the place that they are to get to where they want to go or where they're capable of going to the best of our ability, or we live in a fantasy land, pretending like they really aren't part of our community. And, you know, we shut them in a building and say, well, if we put them in this building, then everything will be fine. If we put them in a housing unit, then everything will be fine. Well, that isn't a solution. It's The solution is helping them be part of our community, helping them learn how to grow things and sharing the food from that with them. There's something really spiritual about that. And, and I love that you said that you felt like that was a gift from God in the end, that you were able to work in that in that area and and learn to nurture and grow things because that's so powerful yeah like I wasn't only you know just growing those things but I was growing myself yeah as those plants were growing I was growing too yeah that's such a cool it's such a cool experience to share and and I'm super excited about what you're doing I'm so excited about the microgreens I love them and too. uh and I I think that we've we've got the space in the back we can put a little you know we can put a little growing center back there and and get that project going and and Grow, grow from there, right? Yeah. So thank you for all that you do here at my house. Thank you for the role model that you are and the peer support that you are and the, the strong words that you share by your own example and your own life, the way that you live it. And thanks for being you. You're important and we value you. Thank you. So thank you for being you too. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Michelle Parker for being here. The My House podcast is recorded at the My House studio in Wasilla, Alaska. Our producer and editor is Isaac Smolden, and I'm Michelle Overstreet. Until next time.